This is BYU Sports Nation, brought to you by the BYU Store, simulcast on BYU-TV and BYU-Radio. Now, from Studio B, here's Spencer Linton and Jerem Jordan. BYU Sports Nation is live. Your day-to-day play-by-play in Studio B, presented by the BYU Store, official outfitter of BYU fans everywhere. Happy Wednesday, July 21st, wherever and however you're connected. Great to have you with us. The band is back together. Been a minute. June 28th? I think. Last show together. Holy cow. <laughs> I am Spencer Linton. Once again, teamed up with a guy that has exactly as many NBA championship rings as Chris Paul, but now one less than Elijah Bryant, Jerem Jordan. And Cliff Paul. Let's not leave him out of here. Yeah. Uh, congratulations to Elijah Bryant. Pretty cool, right? Uh, won the NBA title last night with the Bucks. I just thought about a couple months ago, this dude's literally in Tel Aviv, Israel, playing for Maccabi Tel Aviv. All of a sudden last night, he's... In the locker room celebrating an NBA championship? Like, what a journey. Jumps in at the last second into that playoff roster. Unique situation. Pretty cool. So, not only uh, Elijah Bryant, obviously, BYU connection, but a returned missionary of the Church of Jesus Christ of Latter-day Saint, Utah State guy, Sam Merrill on that squad as well. So, kind of cool for those two guys. Fantastic stuff. And who'd have thunk? The Milwaukee Bucks. Not a super team. Small market. NBA champions. This was the year the Jazz could have done it. I know. Wait, because th- we're actually going to have three NBA years that were affected by the pandemic. So obviously last year in the bubble is a weird year. Lakers win it. They did it. Great. Um, this year is also weird because it was shortened and a, you know a lot of people got hurt because of that the season. They started a little later. This next year, I, I, I assume they're not going to start on time, and maybe they are, but a couple of teams went deep into July. Normally it's like June, right, a month later, plus the Olympics. So this next year is affected by the timeline as well. So it's uh, unique situations. But For sure. Someone's got to win it. Like, I don't discount this title in any way. The bubble one's like a little interesting to me. It's like different. But uh, this this was a year where the overall one seed, yeah. the, the Utah Yes, could have done something. Look at it. Congrats to the Bucks. Didn't form the, the super team. Giannis and Chris Middleton uh, do that. Gian- Giannis, to me, is the embodiment of globalization of basketball. Literally the embodiment of how the game has grown since the Dream Team sort of spread the gospel of hoops across the globe. In 1992. Yep. Holy cow. Crazy. And the Bucks had to overcome a lot of stuff. Giannis got hurt. You talked about all those injuries. He got hurt in the Eastern Conference Finals. They had to win a game seven against the Brooklyn Nets. I mean, they, they had to overcome a, a two-game deficit against the Phoenix Suns. Like that's It's an interesting run. And my two cents on the later uh, push of the NBA playoffs – I loved it. I thought it owned the summer. I think the NBA should do that every summer. It always owns June. Like, to me, own there was... July. Own July, too. What else is going on? Now we got football next week. It's great, right? We do have football. It's great. End of the next, the week, week after that. Yeah, yeah. Here's your championship show lineup featuring a team that has exactly one Pac 12 championship in the last 35 years Arizona State. I was going to say, it's not Utah. Is this the year the Sun Devils actually live up to expectations? We'll ask one of their insiders, Brad Denny, about that. And do the allegations of recruiting misconduct, among other things, around ASU right now carry any legitimate weight? Plus, Jerem's latest 10-10, and 10, more preseason accolades for BYU football. But first, 
a little bit more on the latest BYU Cougar to win an NBA Finals ring. Here are today's BYU Sports Nation headlines. Elijah Bryant, the Milwaukee Bucks, beats the Phoenix Suns 105-98 in Game 6 to win the NBA Finals. Bryant joins Danny Ainge and Greg Kite as former Cougars to win NBA titles as players. Just the third player to do that. Wow. Congratulations once again to Eli. And congratulations to Diljeet Taylor, who has been promoted to women's cross-country head coach at BYU by athletic director Tom Holmo. Taylor led the Cougars to a national championship in 2020, their first team championship since 2002. She was also named the USTF CCCA NCAA Division I Women's Program of the Year. She was leading that program. Amazing stuff. And this may have more ramifications on how BYU goes about hiring coaches in the future. We'll talk about it in a minute. It's, it's pretty interesting. Tyler Algiers on the Doak Walker Award watch list, given to the nation's best running back. Of course, Luke Staley won this in 2001. He finished eighth last season with 1,130 yards. Other opponents on the list of note from uh, BYU's schedule this fall, George Lani from Boise State, Keontae Graham at USC, and Rashad White at Arizona State, among others. How about some Cougars in the minor leagues? Jackson Clough, one for four with a home run in a Harrisburg Senators double-A 6-3 loss to the Portland Sea Dogs. That's Portland, Maine, yep. by the way. Colton Shaver, rocking triple-A baseball, goes two for four with two RBIs in a Sugarland Skeeters 7-6 loss to the Albuquerque Isotopes. I've been banging the drum for Colton Shaver to get uh, up to the Astros. Yeah, I've been banging the trash can as well for that. <laughs> He's not wearing a wire. I feel like it landed the first time. 14 BYU gymnasts are named to the academic all-MRGC MRGC team. All had a 3.2 GPA or higher, right? All rise. Oh, wait, wait. I got one more. Rhett Rasmussen. One more. Don't one leave more. us short. Rhett Rasmussen enters day two of the Bolingbrook Golf Club Invitational. What? Rhett currently tied for 13th at 4 under par. He tees off today at 1.30 p.m. Eastern. He's on a tour that's kind of like the double-A version of the PGA yeah, Tour, one like below the, the Corn Ferry Tour. division. Okay. Yeah. So, yeah, Rhett's working his way up. When it's July, we're going third division domestic PGA stuff. <laughs> now, all rise and shout. It's time for What's Trending. You're talking about it, and so are we. It's What's Trending on BYU Sports Nation. Oh, Arizona State on the docket today in What's Trending. The Sun Devils have massive expectations within their own fan base. They visit Provo and BYU Game 3 for the Cougars in the 2021 slate on September 18th. It's one week after the almighty showdown with Utah as BYU tries to snap that nine-game losing streak. Jeremy, my question is, Will Arizona State be a more difficult game than Utah one week prior? When the dust settles at the end of the year, it might be. But I think right now I would say, well, the streak against Utah weighs heavily on the perception of how hard that game's going to be. Okay. Because you're not just playing Utah. You're playing the streak as well. Totally fair. You're playing that mental mess. Yes, you're playing history, which is a heavy burden for this BYU team. Hopefully they don't feel that, and they can just play this one game. Oh, by the way, we talked about it yesterday. This Utah game's worth four years' worth. They didn't play last year, and they're not playing the next two. This is year this year worth four years. That's right. Utah opted for Florida. Florida. So it's a four-year game. If BYU wins, BYU's going to carry that all the way up to 24. If Utah wins, they're going to carry the streak from 2010 to 24. Ooh. Okay? That's, that's hard. So Arizona State's interesting. Let's talk about it. Um, on this, you know, 
opponent preview as we continue those. Arizona State only played a couple of games last year, two and two. Lost those two games close. Yes. In in 2019, they kind of took a step forward and were eight and five and won the Sun Bowl and with a freshman quarterback in Jaden Daniels, who is really dynamic. He's not going to chuck it down the field a ton. He's a little light, but he's very fast. Sure. So he, he runs well. He's very efficient as a passer. They've got a couple of good running backs. Uh, I highlighted in my 10 and 10. I really like Rashad White, who averaged 10 yards a carry. Again, only four games, but still. Um, impre- they have a couple other running backs that are pretty good. Receivers, uh, typically talented. They produce a receiver in the NFL every couple of years, it feels like. You've got the quote unquote pro model um, with Herm Edwards. <laughs> How'd that and, work out for BYU? Anton- nice. One year. Let's keep it going. Antonio Pierce uh, is the DC. He played in the NFL, right? Um, Zach Hill's the offensive coordinator. He was at Boise State for a few years, so we've seen kind of what Zach Hill offenses can do. Arizona State's going to be good, like eight plus good. But how good will they be is the question. Like, mm. will they actually win the South or not? I feel like it's Utah versus the field. USC's got to show me something. USC's actually done stuff. Arizona State needs to show me what they've got in this. I'll, if they win the South, I think that'd be a, a surprise. But they have Herm Edwards, Jerem. He's going to fix everything. Yeah, because NFL coaches going to college just means yeah, automatically Chip, they're going to Just like be Chip good. Kelly's going to fix everything at UCLA. UCLA sucks. Uh-huh. I'm so glad that we're talking about this, and specifically Arizona State today, because you know what? Arizona State, for me, is right there with UCLA in terms of the most overrated college football teams on an annual basis in the country. It happens Oh, you're every, giving them the UCLA yeah, respect. Not quite. Okay, UCLA is the king of that group, if you will. Arizona State is making their way up there. They're just a notch below UCLA. Listen to this. And I know... The past does not define what can happen to a team in any one individual year. But it's an indicator of the future. Holy cow. And there have been a lot of indicators that Arizona State is traditionally overrated, painfully overrated. Okay, One Rose Bowl in the last 35 years. That was in 1996, the same year that BYU finished number five and won the the Cotton Bowl. Okay? Yeah. Only two ever. Only two 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 Rose Bowls ever. The, The other one was in 1986. Yeah. It's been a long time. This one is, oh man, this one really indicts the program, okay? Four double-digit win seasons over the last 35 years. That's bad. Four? What? Why are we crowning Arizona State every year? Jerem, they've been ranked in 20. I don't feel like we are, just okay? this year. They've been ranked in 20 of the last 30 seasons, okay? That's pretty good. Okay? Go 2-0. and Definitely more often ranked preseason than the post. They've only finished ranked, so of the 20 seasons that they've had a ranking in a season, yeah. they've only finished ranked six times. They sputter out. Traditionally, a lot. Yeah. And they've never finished higher in the poll than their high rank. Like, th- their highest rank in the postseason has never equaled what it's been somewhere in the regular season. They yeah. are always losing late and falling out. The Rose Bowl they played in 96, loss. Okay? So, I-, I don't know. I'm just not as worried, maybe, as I should be about this Arizona State team. Also, I don't think they have the discipline I don't know if they're going to have the focus with allegations surrounding the program, the games in Provo. I think expectations are too high for Arizona State. I feel like it's unfair to a team that played four total games last year. Maybe taking second in the Pac-12 South and winning nine is where they fit, and that's a step up from what they've been. It would be absolutely. But I'm not even willing to put them in that era Mm. or that area. You're like eight and five? Yeah, like an an eight-win Arizona State team because that's what they do. We'll that's talk, what they do. We'll talk, it's what they do. 
We'll talk to an Arizona State podcaster coming up a little bit later to uh, preview that matchup. Okay, topic two. I wish we could just keep going. That was great. Diljeet Taylor was named women's cross-country head coach yesterday, previously the associate head coach. I think people thought she was the head coach previously. Um, She'll continue to be the associate head coach over track and field. Of note, she isn't a member of the Church of Jesus Christ of Latter-day Saints. Bury clarified a long-standing idea that a head coach had to be an a member and an active one of, of the church with this sentence in the release. While in the past head coaches throughout BYU Athletics have often been members of the church, it has been a practice but not a policy. Mm. End quote. What does this mean for the future of head coaches at BYU? Well, it definitely opened my eyes to the idea that BYU could, if they want to, in one of the big money sports, football or basketball, now open up the conversation to include coaches that are not members of the Church of Jesus Christ of Latter-day Saints. Do you think that would happen? I Do you don't think? think that that's going to happen. I don't Because either. I feel like it's too high profile, yeah. and the direct ties with the Church of Jesus Christ of Latter-day Saints and the mission of the school, Like I feel like they want somebody there that they know holds the core values of the religion and the school. Yes, and I don't, I don't think this means BYU is never going to do it. I just am guessing that it's probably not going to happen. But... It can happen. Yeah. That's what we it's, learned. It's, it's not a hard it, and fast rule. Yes. Um, and so maybe BYU does in the future. Like a dude, so Ed Lamb is not a member of the church, but he goes to church sometimes with his family. Like he, he could be a guy that would understand the mission yes. and still yes. be able to be the head yes. coach at some Absolutely. point. Absolutely. That's a great example. Right? Ed Lamb is but, a guy that could fit that role. But he's the exception to the rule. But there is no rule. So it's funny. We're sort of drawing this rule into existence that doesn't exist. I just don't think BYU probably do it. But in other sports, outside of those, I think that possibility exists. Because there are a ton of great people that aren't members of the Church of Jesus Christ of Latter-day Saints. Amen. Let's not act like there's this massive difference. Obviously, we believe a certain theological subset of ideas and rules and, and doctrine and principles. What does that have to do with sports? What does that have to do with sports? I, lo- I love this move, by the way, for Diljit Taylor. She's Indian, and she grew up chic. She is perhaps the most unique head coach in BYU history from her background, right? And I love this direction. She understands what BYU is. She has embraced what BYU is. And look what BYU's done since she got here. Ed Eyestone was doing amazing things. That combination with Ed incredible, as a group of excellent coaches and trainers and athletes and culture has taken BYU to the top of the game in the running world which is awesome. So I wonder if BYU have other coaches that aren't members of the Church of Jesus Christ of Latter-day Saints in the future. This opens the door. This is so deserved. And BYU has, by the way. Like, BYU's had football coaches like a long time ago that weren't members. I'm talking the modern era. This is so deserved for Dilgia Taylor. I mean, and I... She feels like a head coach already. I know. I feel She's like been she, the was, head coach. she was already there. She just didn't have the title. And then she got the title and the promotion yeah. and hopefully a nice pay raise, which is also well deserved. Yeah. Okay. So I feel as like much we, of a pay raise as the cross country head coach yeah. can get. I feel like the Absolutely. university caught yes. up to what she's already been doing. All it took was winning a national championship. <laughs> <laughs> Our question of the day back to Arizona State football. And I can't wait for one of these Arizona State blogs to catch what I just said. And <laughs> They'll probably be like, yeah, we get it. <laughs> well, and the only reason we feel high and mighty on this is because BYU actually won a natty in the 80s. You know what I mean? <laughs> I like, like, I wish BYU was, was in the position that Arizona State is, 
is in, which is in the late 60s, get invited to the Pac-10 okay. from the Pac-8. I wish that. Our question of the day. Where do you think Arizona State ranks among BYU's toughest opponents? Ooh, okay. Let's hear from you, BYUSN, in Voice of the Nation. This is the Voice of the Nation on BYU Sports Nation. At J underscore Royal 09 on Twitter answers. Arizona State will probably be ranked second or third toughest on the BYU schedule, but end up being lower than that towards the end of the season. They're like UCLA. Pretty overrated <laughs> at times. Good, but not the best. Yes. I wouldn't even give them the moniker of uh, good, but not the best. Sometimes they're just average. Like, Arizona State is traditionally okay. They're traditionally okay. Yeah. I, I had them uh, third. Third in toughest? My, in my 10 and 10. Yeah. If I'm being straight up with I, you. Because I'm not sure about Baylor, Boise State. And then after that, it's like Virginia, Washington State. Because it's a home game in Provo and it's the third of the season based on Arizona State's history. Yeah. I didn't take into account location or anything. I just did like straight team. Just, straight, just yeah. neutral site, tough team. opponent. Mm-hmm. Yeah, they're probably four or five for me. Oh, okay. Yeah. Who's, who's higher? Boise State. Boise State's higher? Yeah. Okay. Obviously, Utah. Yeah. I would, USC. Yep. Utah, okay. USC. the other team that's Virginia's higher? right there with You think them. Virginia's? You think Virginia's better than Arizona State? I'm just talking toughest, just toughest opponent. But I but I'm factoring in other things that you are not. Yeah. You're talking just straight skill level. I'm talking like emotions, location, all sorts of things. Virginia. Yeah. Coming up. Baylor at Baylor? I mean, that might be tougher than Arizona State. Could Mark Pope <laughs> score a basket in today's NBA? That's a great question. And the host of Speak of the Devils podcast, Brad Denny, joins us to preview the Sun Devils. Are they going to have the right focus and discipline this year? This is BYU Sports Nation. BYU Sports Nation is presented by the BYU Store, official outfitter of BYU fans everywhere. On the latest Deep Blue podcast, I speak with former Cougar All-American rugby player and assistant coach Kimball Care about life after BYU, including being the CEO of the Utah Warriors of Major League Rugby, playing in the playoffs this week. Listen to the show on the BYU Radio app and we're podcast or We are live in Studio B with your day-to-day BYU Sports play-by-play. I am Spencer Linton. That is Jerem Jordan. The band is back together, at least for one day. I'm off tomorrow, so uh, <laughs> bye after that. As promised, our first guest of the day joined us earlier this morning. He is a host from the Speak of the Devils podcast. So he didn't hear State your rant. Football insider. He didn't hear my rant. <laughs> I'm sure he, well, maybe he is. Maybe he's, maybe t- he's, maybe he's right dialed now. in. Brad, this is not a personal issue. I assure you, this is not personal. We spoke with Brad Denny earlier this morning on BYU Sports Nation. Here's that conversation. Brad, what does your daily regime consist of about seven weeks away from the opening of the college football season? Well, it's getting ready for this upcoming season, you know, just kind of really getting back into the swing of things. Uh, ASU is probably going to open camp here in, in a few weeks. Uh, they got a rare Thursday opener. So, uh, you know, just getting back in the swing of things uh, in terms of just kind of the day to day with the, you know, the reporting, the podcast, getting, you know, it, things are starting to get a little bit back to normal in terms of, uh, you know, the, the COVID restrictions down here. We were able to see some of the spring practices actually in person a couple months ago. So, it's just, you know, getting back in the flow and, and getting ready to finally see some ball up, uh, up close this season. Arizona State is certainly expected to be pretty good this year. It's just how good. What are your expectations for this group? Yeah, this is going to be a season that is probably the most anticipated since perhaps going back even to 1996. Wow. Uh, there are a lot of veteran players on this team, a lot of key returners. 
ASU was the beneficiary of a lot of the super seniors uh, coming back. And since Herm Edwards got here, this is 2020, this 2021 season has kind of been the, the goal, the things that they were building towards. There was a lot of young guys that played, and now those guys are now key upperclassmen. Uh, so this is a season where if ASU is not very much in the Pac-12 South race, if not outright winning it, you could see a lot of uh, upset people within the program and a fan base at large. And if you want to assign a win total, I mean, I think anything short of nine wins, um, you know, barring any kind of widespread injury issues, would be looked at it as a disappointment. The schedule kind of breaks favorably in, in uh, for them this upcoming season. So, you know, if they're not challenging for that nine wins or at least a, a South crown, then I think that this season might be looked at as a, as a disappointment. Brad Denny, host of the Devils Pod, is with us on BYU Sports Nation, breaking down Arizona State football. Now, when you brought Jake the Snake Plumber into the conversation in 1996, you caught my attention because that team went to the Rose Bowl, finished number four in the country. And really, for being honest, in the last 30-plus years, that's the best team that Arizona State's ever had. Is Jaden Daniels ready to enter that era or that uh, stratosphere with Jake the Snake Plumber? It would help. It certainly would help. And he certainly has the physical tools. Uh, during his freshman season in 2019, uh, he displayed a deft passing touch. Last season, he really kind of uh, showed off his running ability. But, you know, he has yet to put it all together and find that consistency that, that those top-tier quarterbacks, those legendary quarterbacks like Jake the Snake uh, are able to put forth. A big reason for some of the struggles last year was the fact that his wide receiver group uh, really was very inexperienced. Frank Darby was the lone veteran. He basically got injured very quickly in that opener, never was the same, and that left uh, Jaden with a lot of uh, freshman receivers to kind of work with. Uh, Plus, the run game was so good, they really didn't need to pass in the back half. So that's going to be one of the primary questions is, is, can Jaden and this passing game take that next step? Because the running game and the offensive line look like it's going to be pretty good. But the big question is, you know, if they can balance that out with a, a, an effective passing attack, then I think that's when ASU has the, the chance to go from pretty good to South contender. I want to talk about those pair of running backs uh, that were on the Doak Walker Award uh, watch list this morning. Rashad, uh, or Rashad White, really impressive. Ten yards of carry. I know there were only a couple of games last year, but still, come on. The Mount Sac transfer was impressive. And then, correct me on the pronunciation, but uh, Chip... Uh, train them. Those those two are Got a it. nice little pairing there. Yeah, it's definitely that that kind of prototypical thunder and lightning combo. Uh, train them, you know, is a guy that came from Ohio. Uh, most people, you know, four star recruit, a guy that many thought was going to be, you know, Ohio State's lose, and all of a sudden he commits to Arizona State, comes out here. I mean, he did not look like a freshman uh, last year. I mean, he he is a uh, look, you know, two hundred thirty pounds. He he looks like a guy who has been around the program for a number of years. Uh, but he's also got some deceptive speed. But he, his real uh, biggest asset is he is a guy that can just really pound defenses uh, between the tackles. Uh, Rashad White is, was kind of the big revelation last year for this offense. Is both a runner and a receiver, as you mentioned, ten, over ten yards per carry. He's a guy that you know a little little bit uh, more uh, uh, taller, six two, about one ninety five. But he has very deceptive speed. He's one of those guys that just does not look like he's putting forth a ton of effort yet. He's outrunning the entire defense if he gets a seam. Just real silky smooth. Uh, he's also very effective at catching the ball out of the backfield. So uh, offensive coordinator Zach Hill has that option to kind of go with the thunder, lightning, and also look for another uh, you know, a three-headed uh, uh, tandem in, in that backfield uh, with Daniel Ngata. Uh, he was a four-star commit. 
didn't really get on track uh, much uh, last year, but he had a really strong spring session. He's more of that kind of that scat back type, you know, smaller in stature, but very electric. Also, very uh, a good receiver as well. So you could have a lightning thunder, and then if possible another uh, electrifying form out of that backfield uh, for the Sun Devil team. Brad Denny is with us. He is the host from the Speak of the Devils pod. Brad. I know that there was a bunch of fallout on social media about the Arizona State program and potential allegations of some serious infractions when it comes to breaking rules in the NCAA, but then it kind of seemed to just go away. Was there ever any reality to any of that? And is Arizona State going to be in the headlines for the wrong reasons, or should we just kind of put that one to bed? Uh, Arizona State just has to look down south to their hated rivals in Arizona to see the glacial pace that the NCAA likes to conduct <laughs> these investigations. Um, all, you know, the, the, I think believe the uh, the basketball investigation for the Wildcats is still ongoing, and so Arizona State is kind of taking a business as usual approach because this investigation is not going away, but I, it's not going to get wrapped up anytime soon. You know, there are some interesting factors in terms of the dossier um, that you know, was allegedly handed to uh, officials that it contained. Um, you know, proof and screenshots, emails of these allegations. Uh, I do think that, the, you know, we've maybe not seen the last of things of these allegations or these viol- violations uh, come to light. There's certainly a lot of smoke around this program in terms of how it's conducted itself. But in terms of actual fire, you know, we'll, <laughs> we'll leave the NCAA to figure out any kind of uh, long-term penalties. And those are most likely, you know, uh, going to be something that is down the road. So right now, uh, you know, it's, it's, I think it's going to play a, a role in 2021 in terms of just a, a perhaps a focus standpoint, because even though they might say that, you know, they just focusing on football, you can't help but have this as kind of a distraction at some level. But I think in terms of any kind of hard penalties or anything like that, I think that might be a year, maybe a, a couple years off. So uh, the, the AC was able to land a four-star running back commit right after that news broke. So, you know, it, it might be impacting recruiting to a little bit. That remains to be seen. But, you know, if ASU can go out there in this fall and put together a 9-10 win season, that might help course correct some of the recruiting worries that these allegations might have uh, provided. We like to joke that BYU is also in the Pac-12 South because it's playing four of the six teams this year. Um, <laughs> that's not actually true. And one in the Pac-12 North. But anyway, uh, BYU competing for the Pac-12 South. We, we're going to pay attention with uh, a lot of interest in this. What's what's the conversation like in terms of uh, who's the front runner? Do you feel like it's Utah versus the field, given how the Utes have been pretty consistent, or is it USC um, who's always sort of lingering there? It's like, are they going to be good or not? Because they're SC, or is it Arizona State? It feels like an interesting race. Oh, it's very interesting, and I, I think all three of those teams are, are probably a cut above the, the rest of the field. Uh, Utah, you know, returns everybody uh, every year. They're big and they're nasty on the on the offensive and defensive lines. Uh, they got some playmaking talent. They got a good secondary, but then the big question with them is, can they find a quarterback? Is, is Charlie Brewer going to be the guy? USC is always going to be kind of USC, just brimming with talent. But can Clay Helton and that staff actually mold those guys, take the next step? They have one of the best quarterbacks in the country, an, an Arizona kid, and Keaton Slovis, uh, and you know they have some questions in. On defense, you know, is Todd Orlando's defense going to take a, a step forward in year two? And then, of course, Arizona State coming with perhaps the most expectations in, in quite some time. Uh, maybe even, you know, the 2015 uh, Arizona State team coming off a, their second consecutive 10-win year had some expectations as well. This team, as mentioned off the top, has, has similar expectations. And 
the the defense is returns basically intact with a lot of veteran talent and a bunch of super seniors. The offensive line uh, is back and the, probably the strongest it's been over the last two coaching staffs. Uh, some dy- 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 dynamic playmakers in the backfield. You have a, a veteran quarterback in Jaden. Uh, so you, there's a lot of pieces in place. I think it's going to be a real dog. But at the, at this point, it's almost. Uh, I think like you could like flip a three-sided coin or something like that because I think each of those teams has a legitimate claim. Uh, I think the way that the schedule breaks out for the Sun Devils with hosting USC but then having to go on the road to Utah where they've had some struggles in recent years, uh, that could play a factor. Uh, so I think this is a war- really a wide-open race, and I personally have not figured out who I might put atop the South on my, on my uh, Pac-12 media ballot. Brad Denny is an Arizona State football insider. He's with us on BYU Sports Nation. How would you sum up the impact that Herm Edwards has had on the program to this point? It's interesting that you know, and people can rightfully claim that you know his record isn't you know demonstrably better than uh, his predecessor Todd Graham, and I, I do obviously that there, there that is factual. But I do think that you know not all seven and five, so to speak, are created equal. By the end of uh, Todd Graham's regime, uh, the, the program had really kind of run out of steam. Some of the early successes and questions, uh, you know, it was probably time for a change. Uh, Herm comes in, and his first couple of years, he play, lays a, a real strong foundation. I believe that first year they played like 30, 32, uh, you know, true freshmen. And so over the, the course of these last couple of years, the big focus has been revamping this roster, as they call it down here, the pro model. Uh, they've reshaped the program to operate like an NFL franchise, and they want NFL size and measurables uh, on this roster. And so in the last several recruiting classes, you've seen this team achieve that. So they have a bunch of guys who look like potential NFL players. Now, whether they actually can perform to a level to make that next jump, that remains to be seen this, this fall. But I think that what Herm has done is really transformed this program, infused a, a lot of talent, a lot of you know si- bigger, stronger, faster guys, and so now it's going to be a situation of is the, is 20, 2021 is, in my view, kind of a referendum year. Is this pro model, is this new leadership model, everything that they, all the buzzwords they had at the, oh, the introductory press conference, is this going to pay off? Is this, this is going to be the year that they're going to show some progress or perhaps a lack of progress? And then that might place the kind of the, the future of the program in question if they aren't able to meet those lofty goals because – this is a, a, a team that is Herms, that is Antonio Pierce, his right-hand man and now defensive coordinator that they've put together. If they're not able to reach that, you know, that, that's a troubling sign. Or perhaps, you know, all the, all the work that they put in, playing their guys, building that foundation of years could pay off, uh, you know, with a, a soft title. Brad, we appreciate the time. and looking forward to seeing Arizona State and BYU play in Provo on September 18th. Should be a fun one. Thanks, guys. Brad Denny with us on BYU Sports Nation. I'm wondering if you heard you my rant. I'm, I'm wondering if you heard my rant before. Like I, 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 he gave me some insider information, right? I still think they're like an eight-win team, Jerem, and that might include yeah. a bowl game win. Like they might go seven and five in the regular season. That'd be underachieving based on the expectations. Well, and he um, just told us if this team doesn't win nine games, it will be considered a disappointment. Yes, given who they have and coming back. So that's really interesting. Okay, Arizona Should State. I be way more worried about Arizona State? I wouldn't say worried. I think it's going to be a good game. Yeah. I think BYU is an eight-ish win team. I think BYU is on par with Arizona State. Honestly, I think BYU would be more like Arizona State than we want to admit in the Pac-12, where it's like, yes, some years you're like an eight-win team, but other years you're like a six-win team. And then you have that one special year where you win nine. I don't see how BYU would win 10 in a Power 5 league anytime soon um, with an honor code. 
The Sun it, it, Devils. It's just, it's just tough, right? Hopefully BYU can get to that point. We have yet to see it. The Sun Devils play Southern Utah and UNLV. Yep. In Tempe. I've heard of those two schools. Before they travel to Provo for BYU. BYU is going to be their first real opponent, and, and it's going to be on the road. And BYU is coming off of Utah. Either they're riding an emotional high or just devastated. Like if BYU beats Utah, the then, then watch out against Arizona State. Well, it might be let down city. Yeah, exactly. That's what I'm saying. Watch yes. out. Yes. Like, it, yes. I, but I don't even care. I would trade an Arizona State loss for Utah win yes. right now. Yes. Coming up, the newest 10 and 10 coaches edition. The thirst is real. It is, dude. Give me some of that, uh, that squirt, man. Oh, plus, are you in favor of more black alternate jerseys within BYU athletics? Who isn't? This is BYU Sports Nation. Yes, more now. portion of BYU Sports Nation is presented by Visible Supply Chain Management. He is Jerem Jordan. I am Spencer Linton, and this is BYU Sports Nation. Let's whip it! The Cougar Whip Around presented by Visible Supply Chain Management, tackling America's most challenging shipping problems. Nicholas Saban says Alabama quarterback Bryce Young has approximated $1 million from NIL signings. For a BYU starting quarterback, over under 100 k Over. At the base of the Silicon Slopes in the fastest-growing economy in America, in Utah County, in Provo, and Orem, and up towards Point of the Mountain, there's more than six figures for the BYU starting quarterback. Whoever that guy is, he will not be able to take advantage of this this offseason because BYU doesn't have a starter named. I think the fact that BYU hasn't named a starter has affected the opportunity cost yes, for that quarterback. Yes, But it's about a competition and winning it. And how complicated will it be if, say, it's Jaron Hall, and then all of a sudden he's not the starter anymore, but they've inked an NIL deal? Is it based on him starting? It's complicated, though. Whenever there's an incumbent, then the big money will roll in. Like it's if like, Jaron's oh, the guy going the into guy. next year? He's the guy. Yes. Imagine if Zach Wilson came back to BYU, <laughs> Then we're talking seven figures. Perhaps, right? Crazy. BYU men's soccer unveiled new black jerseys for the upcoming season. Do we, as in BYU Athletics, need more black jerseys within the program? Yes, this is an extra mirror going there. Now, women's soccer has black jerseys. Men's basketball has worn black jerseys recently. I want more. I think every team should have a black jersey. I love, I love a black jersey. I They're think really it's great. sharp. Softball, amazing. Yeah, the black jerseys with the royal that pops, mm. like the softball jersey women's specifically. Hoops. We just saw. Really, really sharp. I, I like the royal accents yes. on black. It's just a there, clean look. There are more teams on campus. Yeah, those, those I'm uniforms just right there on the softball team. You know what? I love those. Men's volleyball, homies, let's get a black jersey. Let's go. Former Bucks player Mark Pope and Milwaukee native Tijon Lucas wore Bucks gear to practice yesterday in support of Elijah Bryant. Do you think Mark Pope could score a basket in the NBA today? Absolutely. There's one, somebody. One there's somebody that can get Mark Pope open for a 20-foot jump shot in rhythm. Oh, yes. I was thinking it'd be a stray offensive rebound that he lays in. <laughs> now, there's somebody off the ball that can get around a screen and leave him open. In fact, I think he can knock down a three-pointer. Like he, Oh! Yeah. Yeah, Mark Pope. I, w- I want to see that. He can knock down a jump shot yeah. off of a screen as, as an open player in the NBA today. Mark was not a uh, shooter per se. Um, Chris Burgess has got some distance. And, of course, Nick Robinson, we know, has the distance. Cody Fieger. Greatest pickup player I've ever played with in my life. <laughs> my call. Apologies. I'm talking shooter. Sorry, shooter. But uh, my call is going to be so mad. 
Jerem, there are 26 <laughs> BYU Cougars currently on NFL rosters representing 19 different NFL teams. That's Pretty gnarly. cool. Neither of which are on our teams. It's true. Yeah. That's kind of a bummer. Yeah. Teams have to cut down the rosters to 85 players or fewer by August 17th, then to 53. They yeah, wanted to. They, want. they wanted to. Yeah, yeah. That'd be fun. Then to 53 on August 31st. Yeah. So, Jerem, over under 19 BYU Cougars sticking with teams after August 31st, meaning they make the 53. Mm. I'll go under by a little bit. I think a few will be on some practice squads. A few won't ultimately make it. But I think it'll be a higher number than we've had in a long time. Uh, Yeah, I'm with you on that one. It's going to be way higher than it has been, but I'm thinking about half. Yeah, so if there are 26 right now, probably 13 guys that that are on the actual 53. That doesn't mean that there can't be two or three players that make practice squads that eventually get elevated to the 53 at some point in the season. But in terms of like making the 53, probably half of that number. Okay, some breaking news per Adam Schefter. Uh, Fred Warner signs a five-year contract extension to stay with San Francisco until 26. No money value announced yet. But uh, (laughs) Fred Warner just got paid. Yeah, Fred. White, congrats to Fred Warner. Does, just, does Fred Warner have six paid. figures in the millions? <laughs> Will he? Did he get up to a hundred? Does he, did he get up to a hundred million a five, at the five-year contract? Twenty mil a year for a defender. I don't have a good sense of what the top defense players get, but I want. Maybe he's approaching that? Wow. Question mark? Because he is he is the quarterback. Of People the think he's the best linebacker in the entire National Football League. Right. So what's the highest paid linebacker in the NFL right now? Is it Bobby Wagner with Seattle? 95 million. 95 million. They just announced it. 95 million. Oh, my gosh. Not far off from 100 million. And, like, 40.5 of that 95 is guaranteed money. So the only guy that can approximate Fred in the NFL is Zach Wilson. Wow. 23 guaranteed. Yeah. Has he signed his contract no, yet? No. And he hasn't signed his contract. We talked about it yesterday. Where, yeah. Like, any concern? No. He's, they're just working out the nuances, I would imagine. Fred Warner, okay, congratulations, top, my friend. Is he the top-paid linebacker in football now? Because Probably. Because Bobby Wagner was at $18 million a year. And yes. He, he was the other all-pro. Yeah. Wait, so Fred, Fred, Fred's Wa- at, Ethan, Fred Warner is the top. Fred's at $19 million a year. 19 How times 5 is that, $95 dude? million. Dollars. That's incredible. He's at $19 million a year on average. This is way more than Dennis Pitt ever made. Wow. <laughs> Crazy. Congrats, Fred. Man, that's awesome. Oh, man. Okay, an article on Panthers.com says Brady Christensen is uh, perhaps going to have a future at right tackle, maybe guard, but if he does start, probably at guard. Do you think Brady Christensen will start a game this year? Yes, I absolutely do. Will it be the first one against the Jets and Zach Wilson? Probably not, unless there are injuries involved, but at some point, Brady Christensen, just because of how football is and with the trenches being the way that they are in football, like people are going to get hurt. He's yeah. going to start a game. He will start a game. Yes. I bet he'll start three plus. Yeah. He'll be ready. I love it, man. Let's go. Cougars in the NFL. 95 million bucks. Coming to see you in the Bay Area, Fred. Fred Warner. Lunch know, is on you, bro. You know who else is going to be calling you? BYU football is getting that money <laughs> for the Fred Warner weight room. Coming up, rise and shout outs. Eh, Fred Warner, let's just get, give it to you now. And Jerem will list the 10 best coaches BYU will compete against in 2021, including one former BYU coach. This is BYU Sports Nation. Where do I have Brother Mendenhall? Grit. BYU Sports Nation is presented by the BYU Store, official outfitter of BYU fans everywhere. 
Join us Friday for a BYU Sin special, The Reviewables 1983 Football, featuring Steve Young. Is that team better than the 84 team? Mm-hmm. We'll discuss. Noon Eastern on BYU TV, BYU Radio. Welcome back to BYU Sports Nation Live in Studio B. If you just missed it, Fred Warner has inked a five-year, $95 million deal with the San Francisco 49ers to make him the highest-paid linebacker in the National Football League. $40.5 million of that $95 million contract, guaranteed money. It's a lot of dough, man. Congrats to Fred. That's yes. awesome. Well Fun fact, payday. he didn't play inside linebacker here. He played outside linebacker. <laughs> like, like what a what a great um, job by everyone involved with Fred and Fred, of course, to get to that point. That's so awesome. happy for. Do you think Fred. Troy's like? Can I get a loan? <laughs> Listen, Fred could be like, "Hey, uh, I'm just going to send the best of the best trainers down to L.A. Get you right and get you uh, up to NFL with speed. Let's Los, go, Los Rams. Let's go. Let's yes. Go. <laughs> yeah. Okay. With that in mind, big money. It's time now to preview the big money coaches that BYU will compete against in 2021. The latest 10 and 10, top 10 head coaches, according to Jerem Jordan. Here we go. 10 lists in 10 weeks. It's Jerem, 10 and 10. The two out, Robert, uh, Rob Fennessy, Idaho State, Chad Lunsford, Georgia Southern. Okay. Number 10, Nick Rolovich, Washington State. This guy uh, put up a still record amount of points, 72 as quarterback for Hawaii in 2001 to spoil the 12-0 season for BYU after Luke Staley broke his leg the week before Ugh. at Mississippi State. And this guy's Hawaii team beat the Cougars in 2019 Hawaii Bowl. Not a massive fan because those two things, just negative memory. He signed Baylor Romney to Nevada, by the way, as the OC before Baylor transferred to BYU. Took over for Mike Leach. They went 1-3 last year, 29-30 and 30 overall as head coach. His best days are probably ahead of him, but we'll see. How yeah, quick. yeah, I feel like the negative memories uh, have appropriately <laughs> placed Nick Rolovich yep. at number 10 in this list. Yep. <laughs> number 9. He's probably a better coach than that, but yep. just too many negative Exactly. Memories. Number 9, Blake Anderson, Utah State. Not to be confused with the workaholics actor. Anderson, who also has no relation to Gary, is the new head ball coach in Logan after a strong run at Arkansas State, going 51-37, and 37, including two Sun Belt titles. Played at Baylor and Sam Houston State, former North Carolina offensive coordinator. Yeah, I, I now that I'm looking at Blake and Nick Rolovich, Nick's probably be higher than Blake, but... <laughs> <laughs> Number eight, Andy Avalos, Boise State, former Bronco linebacker, back after playing and coaching at Boise State, 11 years total before being the defensive coordinator for two years at Oregon, including the 2020 uh, Pac-12 championship over one Utah. In 2019, or 2019 over Utah, rather. Uh, we'll see if he can keep it going from Chris Peterson. Uh, Brian Harson's era of success. They they had a ton of success with those two previous coaches. We'll see if it's Avalos as well. It's tough to be a first-year head coach with a program that carries such high expectations. And when it comes to BYU, they got to play in Provo this year. It's a tough hill for, for Andy Avalos to climb. Number seven, Jed Fish, Arizona. We had him on the show a few weeks ago. Nice guy, first mm-hmm. year in Tucson, coming in from the Patriots as quarterback coach last year. That didn't go well with Cam Newton, by the way. He's been an assistant coach in the NFL for seven teams. This is mm. for four college teams including Minnesota, Miami, Michigan, and UCLA. Great resume. His LinkedIn's probably loaded. He's learned from Belichick, McVay, Carroll, and Shanahan. Not bad. How will he do in his first head coaching gig? We'll see firsthand in the opener. Yeah, number seven coach, that's an accurate number. His team, not as good on that list. Number six, Jeff Scott, South Florida. Scott was the co-offensive coordinator at his alma mater, Clemson, from 2015 to 19, where he won two national titles. Thank you, Trevor Lawrence and company. His dad coached South Carolina a long time ago and assisted at Clemson. Family craft. Second year man in Tampa. Won an eight last year. 
Find a quarterback like Deshaun Watson or Trevor Lawrence, and maybe the Bulls won't stick anymore. <laughs> yeah, that's a mess. I, I think Jeff Scott is very capable. That program needs about four more years of yeah. Jeff Scott to be back in the relevance conversation. Number five, Clay Helton, USC. Took over for former Cougar quarterback Steve Sarkeesian during the 2015 season. Finished third at the end of the 2016 season after winning the Rose Bowl. He's also gone to the Cotton Bowl, produced a number three pick. 39-21, won Pac-12 title, 24 NFL draft picks in six years. 0-1-1 versus BYU. But underwhelming overall yep. at SC, given how high the standards Can't are. believe he still has his job, if I'm being frank with, yeah, you know, and, and where USC is. Yep. But number five, that, that's, that's, probably, that's probably right. Yeah, and he's, he's the guy at USC. Number four, Dave Aranda Baylor. Aranda might be a familiar name to fans after being a DC at Southern Utah in 2008 with Ed Lamb. Hawaii after that, then Utah State in 2012, and Wisconsin LSU. He's played against BYU a bunch of times. BYU's played, uh, you know, a bunch since 2011. After LSU won the national championship, um, he was the defensive coordinator on that team in 2019. Went 2-7 last year in Waco, but let's see if Baylor turns it on to be a contender with Jeff Grimes as OC and Eric Mateos on the O-line. I'm liking all of these new-ish head coaches that BYU has on the schedule. Advantage BYU in that regard. Number three, Herm Edwards, Arizona State. Made famous for his, you play to win the game, quote, as the head coach of the Jets. Hello! In his fourth season in Tempe, 17-13 overall, 2-2 two and two last year. Sun Devils at least relevant now. Are they? Played for Cal on this show they are today. <laughs> Played for Cal and San Diego State. In fact, in 1976, against BYU and Gifford Nielsen, he had 10 tackles in a Cougars 8-0 win. Wow. I like Herm Edwards a lot, for the record. I think he's fantastic. Number two, Bronco Mendenhall, Virginia. We all know him. He's a fantastic coach. 11 years as the head man in Provo. From 2006 to 2009, BYU finished in the top 25 and won 43 games. That's the most wins in a four-year span ever in Provo. Makes $3.4 million a year, by the Woo! way. 129-75 and 75 overall. Took a 2-10 team in his first year in 2016 to the Orange Bowl in 2019. Thank Clemson for deoccupying that spot, by the way, and going to the playoffs. He's a defensive genius who still employs nine former Cougar players or coaches on his staff. Yeah, that 30-32 and 32 record is still being heavily impacted by the 2-10 and 10 start. Yes, and I'm talking, yes, he's a great coach. It may not have shown yet at Virginia, but I'm including his BYU day. Yeah, if you exclude that, he's 28-22 and 22 in the Orange Bowl that you, you, you referenced. That's why, that man right there is why I think BYU and Virginia is maybe a scarier game than BYU-Arizona State. Sure. And the top coach BYU will face for the, I think, third year in a row, Kyle Whittingham, Utah. Former Coug, linebacker, of course, all-whack player. 134-66 and 66 overall, 46 NFL draft picks. An incredible 11-3 record in bowl games. He's also 11-3 against BYU. I hate that number, but it's true. Just ridiculous numbers. Uh, but got a game we got to respect the game. He's fantastic. And, oh, by the way, makes $4.1 million. Uh, you know, those are ta- that's taxable income that we're helping pay for. <laughs> an employee of the state. He's an employee, the highest paid employee of the state. We're paying him to beat BYU nine times in a row. Coming up, who gets the elite voice of the day? And a rise and shout outs. You better believe that a ring is going to be involved in that. This is BYU Sports Nation. This portion of BYU Sports Nation is presented by Mountain America Credit Union, guiding you forward. BYU Sports Nation, always available on demand via the BYU TV and BYU radio apps. Again, congratulations to Dilgeet Taylor, who was the new 
head coach of BYU Women's Cross Country and Track and Field. And a reminder to download the podcast. You can find it where podcasts are found or the BYU Radio app. All right. Our question of the day. Where do you think Arizona State football ranks among BYU's toughest or most difficult opponents? Our elite voice of the day, presented by Sundance Mountain Resort, comes from Kevin Kelly on Facebook, who says, Number three after USC and Utah. I could see Arizona State being better than Utah, but I rank Utah as a harder opponent because of the pressure of being the rival and ending the nine-game losing streak. That's exactly where I put them in my first 10-10 and 10 a few weeks ago. Yeah. And for the same reason. Toughest opponent, but... Based on where it is in the schedule and where the game is being played and everything's going to lead up to that, is it BYU? Nothing will lead up to it. It's all about Utah the week before. Well, no, what I'm saying is for Arizona State. They play Southern oh, Utah and UNLV. It's the first big They got game a couple of cakewalks, and then they got to come to Provo and play a good BYU team. Which, in their minds, so we look at BYU as, okay, we're going to revert to the norm, which hopefully is like A-plus from now on. They're looking at BYU as, oh, this team was 11-1 and and ranked number 12 last year. We would, We would – Freak out if Arizona But they don't State. have Zach Wilson. Right, exactly. But we have the next Zach Wilson. Kieran Hall. <laughs> Let's go. Let's go. Who knows? Okay, uh, today's Rise to Shoutouts presented by Mountain America Credit Union guiding you forward. Uh, let's do a little Utah State BYU thing. Here. Okay. So, okay. Um, and Utah's left out for obvious reasons. Mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. Milwaukee Bucks. Congrats to Elijah Bryant and Sam Merrill. Yep. Winning NBA championships. BYU, Utah night. State. Okay. And then, uh, you know, the two highest inside linebackers now in the NFL are Bobby Wagner of Utah State and Fred Warner of BYU. How about so, that? Aggies. And the, 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 the Tobias Funkes of Utah, the, the Blues, uh, unite and uh, win a championship and are getting paid. Are we happy for Sam Merrill, especially because BYU never lost to Sam Merrill when he played for Utah State? <laughs> <laughs> Does that make it all the better? <laughs> <laughs> if we make it about us, and we do, yes, yes, that is really cool about Utah State. Well, you know, and I, t- I take a little, you know, RM pride with Sam. Yeah. Yes, yeah, absolutely. It's been a minute since a return missionary won an NBA title. I well, can't tell you the last. one. Well, let's be honest. Elijah Bryant might as well be a missionary right now. The way he conducts himself on his social media platform. He's on his mission. Yes, he re- he really is. Our thanks to today's guest, Brad Denny, an insider for Arizona State. Sorry to Dennis Pinner, ran out of time. Conversation continues 24-7 on Twitter, Instagram, and Facebook. Use the hashtag BYUS. For Jerem, I am Spencer. Shout out to Jaron Dabney. Nice. See you tomorrow for BYU Sports Nation. Go Cougs. Congrats, Eli, on the ring.